Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we uh, bring back our GOAT series, greatest of all time, as we look at uh, right fielders. And man, what a list. It's This is the position of all positions as far as the outfield is concerned. There's some all-time Hall of Fame. I think every one of these guys is a Hall of Famer, obviously, but here are some legends of the game in right field. As always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. You've been uh, having a, break. A, a little bit of a break in the action before uh, kind of like spring training. Uh, like things get back uh, rolling here. Yeah, it's, it's okay with me. We're, we're talking about March already, so we'll see how it's very cold around in Wisconsin right now, at least these last 10 days or so. So hopefully it warms up a little bit and maybe the end of March. I think it's my fault. Uh, I, it was about 10 days ago that I was like, you know, we've been pretty spoiled this winter. There's been no sub-zero temperatures. Uh, you know, there's Arctic been some air. snow. Uh, Arctic air is brutal, man. That's uh, uh, coming to high gear. And uh, I loved freaking out my uh, family in Florida uh, in, in the last week, uh, uh, grilling out on Friday night uh, in go. sub-zero temps That's and impressive. sending them pictures. Uh, I think that was for them the, the official realization, not only that I've gone off the, the deep end, uh, though I think they always thought that, but... Uh, <laughs> But that I've officially uh, become a Wisconsinite. Uh, if you're that, outside uh, grilling when it's below zero, yeah, that, that probably like, that yeah, probably qualifies you. Season, so it's uh, grilling season every season here. Uh, they say that in Florida, but it's a little bit different here. You have to earn it more. You have to That's want it true. more. You do have to earn it in Wisconsin. And speaking of those who have earned it, as far as places of uh, of all time, uh, we have that here as we look at right field. Uh, how we've broken down this series in the past, since it's been a while, let's uh, recap. Uh, we have our starting nine. Uh, for nine best uh, right fielders of, of all time. Uh, we also have a, a runner-up uh, that we'll bring into those that just missed the, the category, honorable mention, all that good stuff that we'll dive into here. For things that are coming up, uh, we'll have another podcast coming that will uh, bring up the date on current uh, events. Uh, that'll be coming up here in the, in the next uh, few days. Uh, we'll have it coming out, should be on Monday uh, of this next week, that we'll have... Uh, uh, that podcast, as, as teams start uh, getting closer to uh, spring training, two weeks a away. Lot of signings to catch uh, up on. There's signings that have uh, taken place and uh, getting that caught up. And then we'll uh, be hitting a pause button while while pitchers and, and catchers warm up. Uh, we'll finish off our, our GOAT series and have the best right-handed uh, starting pitchers, best left-handed pitchers, and then best relievers of all time. And by that it's, point, it'll well, be time to get into the previews for the upcoming season. And somewhere's in there we're going to do... Our traditional, we're actually adding a, an additional NFL draft podcast. We are yeah. going to catch up some some preview, a little NFL draft war room, we're calling it. So we're going to do the top five at each position, and then we'll do our... Corey's big board. We're going to oh, break it board? down. Okay. We're going to do the I'll mock draft. Too, but we'll do uh, the mock draft. We'll do the mock draft like we did last year. We'll, we'll rotate picks again, and then we'll recap that after that's done. So that's coming up, too. So that's uh, there's your spring forecast That's as right. we uh, uh, get ready for it. Uh, we'll talk uh, greats, we'll talk current, and we'll talk a uh, little bit of, of pigskin for uh, for draft fun. Uh, so all that and more coming up uh, in the, the coming weeks. But for now, we'll dive into our right fielders. Honorable mention, who's the one that just missed your list? My honorable mention is an... <laughs> 
he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's considered, I believe, he hit crazy? over 300 every year from 1997 to 2008. It's all-time bad ball hitter. It's Vladimir Guerrero. So Vladimir Guerrero, an incredible right fielder for the Montreal Expos, and then eventually the Anaheim slash Los Angeles Angels. Uh, he won the MVP award. He is an eight-time Silver Slugger, a nine-time All-Star. It just shows the depth of players that I, I did not get Vladimir Guerrero into my top nine. Now, anybody could sit here and tell me that he's in the top six, and I would absolutely listen to that. But I just – 449 home runs is incredible. I actually thought he stole more bases. I was surprised it was only 181. I guess I remember that one year where he was one home run away from the 40-40 club. I think it would have been one of the first players before Soriano did it there. But uh, – for a guy that's considered a bad ball hitter, also the fact he only struck out 985 times because he could hit never everything. a ball that he didn't like, uh, and despite swinging at everything, he rarely missed. Mm-hmm. Who's your just uh, missed? This one, uh, like I said, it's it's sad. Vlad didn't even make my top ten. There you go. Uh, that's how hard. how deep this uh, list is. Uh, Dave Winfield. I, I was close on Dave Winfield. That's a t- that's a good choice. That's uh, here's someone who was a uh, twelve time All Star, uh, two time uh, gold, uh, seven time Gold Glove winner, six Silver Sluggers, uh, Hall of Fame. Got his one championship with Toronto in ninety two. Uh, a career uh, two eighty three uh, hitter, three fifty three on base percentage, four seventy five slugging percentage. Member of the three thousand hit club. Uh, and just under 500 home runs, so a little bit of, of everything. The the bat was very good. The defense was very good. It's hard uh, to believe that Dave Winfield's one championship didn't come with the Yankees. Because when you think of right. Dave Winfield, you think of the Yankees. And we're yep. going to talk about yep. some Yankees here that have just unbelievable postseason records. And to think that he didn't win one with the Yankees, but he got one with Toronto, that's that's interesting too. In his only year with them. Mm-hmm. So one one season with the, with the Blue Jays. The Joe Carter year. Yep, you got it. Uh, so that's uh, so right there. Let's just pause just for a second to say Vlad Guerrero and Dave Winfield. We're talking first ballot Hall of Famers, three thousand hit club, uh, impressive stats all across the way. Not even cracking into the the, the top nine. Uh, that's how deep this position is. So let's dive into that top nine. Who do you have at number nine? I have another Yankee player, and this one is Mister October before. Derek Jeter's Mr. October, there was Reggie Jackson. So no matter where he played, whether it was the Yankees or California, Oakland, Baltimore, right? First off, he he eats up the spotlight, right? He's a guy who loves the fame. He loves every part of it, movies, TV shows, all that. Uh, And it's the Mr. October, the accolades, three World Series with Oakland and then two more with the Yankees. Two World Series MVP awards, one with both Oakland and the Yankees. And it wasn't like he earns all that. Five World Series, he hits 10 home runs, 24 RBIs, and has a career 357 average. So overall, it's 21 That'll years play. in the major. That'll keep you in the lineup. Oh, yeah. It's 21 years in the major leagues, 14 times an all-star, one MVP, a couple silver sluggers. And here's what it is. Now, nowadays, we look back and we think, man, Reggie Jackson, though, he struck out all the time, right? It's just incredible. And yeah, sure, he leads all-time. He has 2,597 strikeouts, most all-time, to go along with his 563 home runs. But it's not even close to compatible to today's strikeout numbers. Like, if you look at K percentages, his highest single-season K percentages compared to a 2020 player, it would have been, like, ninth. The worst year he ever had would have been ninth worst last year. That tells you how much more – yeah, he leads all time, but it's because he played so long, more so than he was – his most strikeouts in a season, uh, not even close to what we see today. I have him a little higher in my list only because of the – 
probably uh, the extra value for the the October the numbers. Postseason success, sure, uh, I just can get the, that. The, the, the legendary greatness, the one who yeah, who preceded Derek Jeter, who's uh, iconic in every way for postseason uh, in, in, in New York. Uh, and even uh, as much as people try to say uh, uh, Jeter with things, you have the old-timers who are saying, no, nah, he might be very good, uh, but Mr. October is still Reggie Jackson. And uh, just the, the dominance in the postseason, an overall fantastic career. Yeah, he whiffed, but he had produced it in the other uh, categories that were there. Uh, but... Uh, for me, number nine is uh, uh, the Detroit Tiger legend, uh, Al Kaline. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's someone who you can easily make an argument, and I'm betting he's higher up on, on your list. Uh, but an 18-time All-Star, uh, 10 gold gloves, uh, and just uh, actually kind of uh, quirky with the way that worked. You know, played in the two All-Star games in 59-60-61 with how that uh, worked out there. But a, uh, a pure... Pure hitter with uh, with more pop than maybe he's re- remembered for. A career 297 batting average, 376 on base percentage, 480 slugging, member of the 3,000 hit club, uh, and uh, just under one under 400 home runs at 399. And so, think of the contemporary here. I mean, we're going to talk about some of these other guys later in the list, but he's uh, playing at the same time as uh, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, and Frank Robinson. And those guys are all coming too. Al Kaline is my number eight, so it's not much higher. Al Kaline is my number eight. We had to remember, Al Kaline just died last year. We actually talked about, I yeah. think that was right before we started doing this podcast. Al Kaline died in last April, 2020, took another one there. And yeah, it was 22 years, all with Detroit. Jumped straight from high school to Detroit and still the youngest player to ever win a batting title at age 20, which is incredible. Yeah, made debut at, at, at age 18, two seasons later, uh, youngest batting champ. Here's what I'll say. Uh, you look up his baseball reference page, and I think we'd mentioned this last year, but gold means they're all-time leaders, so you'll see gold on Reggie Jackson's and strikeouts, and bold means they led the league that year. There isn't a whole lot of bold on his reference page. He doesn't have an MVP award, but he hits over 20 home runs nine times. He hits over 300 nine times. He gets 10 gold gloves. He's an 18-time All-Star, and he walks more than he strikes out for his entire career. Um, one home, one World Series, 1968. He hit 379 with a few home runs that year. And we mentioned war last time. Bring it back. It's a little bit over five is usually a really good year. And he has eight seasons over five war and he contributed positively all 22. So it's a little bit, like you said, he's over 3,000 hits. So I don't want to say it's an accumulator like skill set because we're talking all time greats here. But an elite accumulator. Yeah, an elite yeah. accumulator. When you can keep that going for that many seasons, again, longevity matters in this mm-hmm. conversation. And when the production stays that level for that many seasons, I mean, for how many guys does it taper off after five years or ten years? Uh, even those that get on this on this list, they can have maybe 12 good years, uh, and then they, they kind of hang around. Uh, but those e- elite years balance them out. Here you have someone who maybe didn't have that like massive peak year, but he stayed that good for that long. Even the fact that at the age of 39, his very last year, 1974, he's playing 147 games. Now, 13 home runs, 64 RBIs, 262. Not nothing, but at night, at the age of 39, that's that's incredible. Unless your name is uh, Nelson Cruz or, or Tom <laughs> Brady, you're not doing much better at that that's age. Right. That's right. So that's my eight. So who's your eight then? My eight would be uh, Mel Ott. Uh, mm-hmm. So here's someone who has... Uh, and I, I looked at, at lists uh, across, or as you can find these things on, online and find where do people uh, place them. And I've seen Ott as high as like third or fourth uh, and uh, down to about uh, this level. Uh, it's more or less because of who's a, the players ahead of him than it is he himself. Uh, here's someone who is, uh, again, with a, a 12-time All-Star, uh, Hall of Famer, 
Uh, won his championship with the with the New York in 1933. A career 304 average, 414 on base percentage, uh, 533 uh, slugging percentage. Uh, just incredible uh, uh, offense uh, across the board for being able to do a little bit of of, of everything here. Uh, and uh, you want to talk yeah. age? So if we're going to talk like ages, Melod's going to come up later for me. Melod signs at 16, and he makes his big league debut at 17. So Al Kaline might have been 20 when he won his first batting title, but Melod had already played three years by the time. That's how incredible Melod is, and I'll get to him in a little bit here. So uh, unless you have more to say about Melod, no, I said he was uh, you know legendary at the Polo yes, Grounds uh, and uh, part of that uh, old time uh, baseball uh, iconic uh, world and. Uh, he was one of the elite guys who also learned uh, to utilize his home park well. Yes, uh, he he, he very much trained himself to uh, Those uh, short corners, right? Yep. But the deep center field and was it and two seventy to the corner and like five hundred to center field. And he uh, one of the first uh, that was very good the pull hitter. Yep. Uh, and utilizing the home ballpark and uh, and again. Anyone can say, like, well, it's over there. Just just hit it there. It's not that easy to do. The skill set, if you can actually do that, it says just how elite your bat, uh, ball-to-contact skills, uh, bat-to-contact skills uh, uh, are there. My number seven is a little different than some of the players we talked about. Not the home run hitter. We have a couple of these guys coming up, too. So Tony Gwynn, right, originally planned actually to be a basketball player, and he was actually drafted to play both on the same day, June 10th, 1981 here. And uh, he chose baseball, and I think that was the right choice because 20 years, all of them in San Diego. We're talking 15 All-Stars, five gold gloves, and here it is. It's the eight batting titles, right? Tied for the all-time National League League. We talked Hannes Wagner a long time ago, and that is who he's tied with, who is, a once again, a legend of this game. Uh, he gets six silver sluggers, does Tony Gwynn. He played in two World Series. He didn't win either of them, unfortunately, for him, but it's certainly not because of Tony Gwynn's contribution. He was every bit the hitter in the postseason with a career 306 average that he was in the regular season. Uh, it's the preeminent contact hitter of, of this generation. We can talk about, I'm going to talk about another one here in a second, but 10,232 times he steps to the plate, over 10,000 times, and he strikes out 434 times. In over 10,000 events. We see people do that in two Almost seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it happens plenty. Now, it, it's, an inc- it's an incredible skill set, well over 3,000 hits. Um, I'd say just one of the best hitters that I've ever seen play in my lifetime. Here's uh, one stat. I, I'll uh, He's one up in, in mind, and I'll uh, just mention it briefly, though. But uh, during one five-year period, Tony Gwynn batted an astonishing 335 with two strikes. Uh, one, uh, anyone would love to have that batting average period, uh, but when you look at uh, like numbers that go down by when the when the count is in your favor or when it's not, and you look at these legends too, like it goes down with that. It never did with him. It didn't nope. matter what the count was; he was just as dangerous of a hitter. A three thirty five average, uh, his career numbers is three thirty eight. Well, the first year he hit two eighty nine, and after that he said, "I'm sick of this two hundred stuff," and he never touches two hundred again. Not once. From the age of 23 till the age of 41, his lowest batting average is still above 300 at 309. The only one who truly came close to Ted Williams' 400 season. At 1994, I, that shortened that, season, right? 394. Yep. He was the only one that was – and, he, and, George and people Brett. there gave the uh, – uh, felt like it was close, like there's a possibility of. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, that, that was the level of uh, batting eye. Uh, that he had for me, uh, number seven is uh, Reggie Jackson. This is where I place him. 
uh, with us. So not uh, not too much farther up uh, uh, than you, but just those uh, those postseason numbers. Uh, it was uh, what stood out the most uh, to me. The postseason accolades, absolutely. I can see why you move him up. I said I, I kept him a little further down just because it was a little more of a all or mit, all or hit or miss skill set than some of these other guys. Uh, I'm going to go to another just incredible hitter here, the other unbelievable hitter on this list who, once again, doesn't have a whole lot of power and my personal favorite player growing up, and that is Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, what could have been if he'd have played his entire career here, but we're going to talk about his short career. But 2001, he's the Rookie of the Year and the MVP, setting major league records for hits in a season with a rookie by 242 is what he hits that year. And then a few years later, he sets the all-time hit record, beating George Sisler's 84-year record. Sisler, we mentioned a while ago, too, on this podcast, because he is an all-time great, but Ichiro has 262 hits this year. Uh, 45 consecutive steals at one point without being caught. That is also a major league record. He led the league in hits five straight seasons and seven seasons overall. He ends up playing 19 seasons total in the big leagues, which is incredible, considering how late it was before he came over here. And he still has 10 200 hit seasons to start his career, 10 all-star games to start his career, 10 gold gloves to start his career, and three silver sluggers in there. Combine it with the Japanese league stats, and you get 4,367 hits, which is more than Pete Rose. I'm not saying he could have beat Pete Rose, but if there was a hitter who could have done it, I truly believe Ichiro Suzuki had a chance to do that had he come yeah. here at 22-23, with, once again, with the bat-to-ball skill that he had. As much as we uh, I just sang praise for Tony Gwynn uh, with that batting eye, Ichiro was uh, at, that, at that and another level. Mm-hmm. with what he was able to uh, accomplish there. Again, dominant from the very first day that he set foot onto a, a major league park. Uh, and just that uh, at, came over at age 27. Uh, I just loved I loved watching him play with the left-handed, like where he would start running towards first base, pull the arm up. He would get the, he had the most unique swing ever. And it just, it translated, right? And all those Seattle years were incredible. And, you know, even to his later years, he went to the Yankees and he bounced around to Miami. But, like in 2016, at the age of 42 with Miami, he hit 291. Like it, it, that skill set doesn't age badly ever. Yeah, he still was a, a productive uh, outfielder there. I have him a little higher up in mind, and I'll talk about some of those reasons uh, there. Uh, but uh, number six for me, this is where I have Tony Gwynn. Yeah, absolutely right. It's the same thing. Quality hitters all around. So my number five is Malat. You mentioned Malat. Uh, my Malat stuff is signed with the Giants, age of 16. Like I said, stayed there his whole career. We're talking the New York Giants here. That's how long ago this is. This one is incredible to me. He led the Giants in home runs 18 straight seasons. He led the Giants in home runs. The most anybody else has ever done for one team is Hank Aaron and Jimmy Fox with 11. So 18 years, uh, six times he led the league in home runs. He hit 30 or more eight times where he had an, a nine seasons over 100 RBIs. And it's not just a career, like, we can talk about Malott's power all day long, but he has a career 304 average with almost two walks to one strikeout. So while we're talking about Ichiro's and Tony Gwynn's incredible batting eye, and they absolutely have the best batting eyes maybe ever to walk this game, but Malott has power and batting eye. He wins one World Series, manages the Giants for a season, uh, 12-time All-Star and one of four players in history with 1,800 runs, 1,800 RBIs, and 1,700 walks. That also includes names like uh, Bonds. Aaron and Ruth. So when you're on a list with that, you're doing something right. That's pretty elite company right there. Yes, sir. That's my number five. And uh, for me, it's uh, another one that you almost have to take a breath before you start talking about his accolades. Uh, and that's uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, Frank Robinson uh, with a uh, impressive, uh, you know, 
20-some year career, uh, rookie of the year right out of the gate. Uh, he was someone who was an MVP in both the NL and AL. He won the AL Triple Crown back in 66, World Series MVP that year, uh, 14-time All-Star, uh, All-Star MVP in there as well. Uh, and just the career numbers, 294 batting average, 389 on base percentage, 537 slugging, uh, just under 3,000 hits, missed it by 57, uh, then with almost 600 home runs. So to be at, uh, a member of the, I mean, that close to a member of the 3,000-hit club and 600-home run club, the amount of people who've done both is an extremely small number. Uh, I mean, you could do a top 10 managers, too, and he'd be on there. That's how amazing. Yeah. Like he, It's not only the baseball career. It's First the, black manager it's in the major league history. post-baseball career. Like Frank Robinson is an all-time icon of this game. Absolutely. Uh, he's a little higher on my list, but I, I can understand because we're going to start talking some super mega stars here. So uh, my, sorry, are you done? No, I just going to give you one, okay, uh, one anecdote it. here. Uh, when he became the first uh, manager, he was a player manager for the Indians. Uh, and uh, uh, Doc Maditch of, of the New York Yankees got ahead of Robinson 0-2 in the first inning and then threw him a nasty slider that just missed the plate. Uh, Robinson's thought, he, he later recounts, saying, he's trying to strike me out on three pitches. He's trying to embarrass me. Next Good pitch, luck. home run. Good luck. <laughs> like, you don't embarrass players like Frank Robinson very often. Uh, my number four, uh, we got to be remiss without saying just an amazing player but a better human being, and it's Roberto Clemente. Uh, the Born in Puerto Rico, signed by the Dodgers, who obviously had success with the first African-American player and Jackie Robinson, and then they tried to have the first success with the first Latin-American player in Roberto Clemente, but probably the greatest Rule 5 pick in history is when Pittsburgh drafts him in 1954 in the Rule 5 draft for $4,000, which is amazing, but he starts off really slow. Like When I was reading this, I was like, wow, he did not start off strong, but it was injuries the first five seasons, the language barrier, he really struggled with that, it said, but then he came into his own, and Better later in his career. We're talking about some of these guys. Better later in his career. 1960s where he really starts. He led the Pirates to the World Series that year. Hit 310 in the postseason. And he was actually a World Series MVP in 1971 also. So 11 years apart, he's World Series MVP. From 1960 to 1972, which are the last years of his career, last 12 years of his career, four batting titles in that time, an MVP, 12 straight gold gloves, and 15 All-Star games in 12 years. He gets 3,000 hits in 1972 and dies tragically just a few months later when he was flying that relief aid into Nicaragua for the earthquake. And uh, they, when you're impressive enough that the Baseball Hall of Fame waves the waving period, they said, you know, usually if you retire, you have to wait five years to get into the Hall of Fame. They waived it for him because it was no doubt he was going to be in there anyways. So why wait? Because this man is one of the greatest things there is. And uh, when you're the Roberto Clemente Award, right? That exemplifies yeah, the game when, of baseball. So iconic of your humanitarian efforts yeah. that they named the award after you. Yeah. He, it's, I said, an amazing baseball player. Absolutely. All the accolades for his baseball ability and and then the off-the-field stuff is it's it's second to none. Uh, for me, at, at number four, because I'll talk Clemente uh, actually next, but uh, Ichiro is where I have him listed here. And kind of factoring in some of those uh, uh, of the international success, of, I know some of this is what might have been, uh, but outside of uh, uh, outside of Pete Rose, the greatest hitter that's ever played in Major League Baseball is, is Ichiro, uh, and the one who truly had a chance to to go at that. And I think when you put together his full level of of dominance, and you can project better with him because of how well he hit when he came. So at twenty seven, immediately not only rookie of the year, but he was the MVP, and he did not take his foot off the gas for the next like ten twelve seasons. 
Uh, that's the you know second half of the career. The first half that was there uh, was elite as well. So again, I think uh, definitely worthy of a top five selection. If we if you're talking Ichiro, just one last time on Ichiro, like Japan only plays I think 137 games. It's not 162. So when he's getting, we're said you know he had 210 hits in some of those years in Japan, and it's more hits than. Pete Rose, but he didn't even play as many games, actually. Like, Pete Rose has famously played a ton of games. Ichiro plays a lot, but uh, that career 311 average, I think I read somewhere that he went, he started his career two for nine, got a hit, and his, so he went three for 10, and it never dropped below a career average at that point, never fell below 300. That is how an amazing of a hitter Ichiro was. Absolutely. My number three, you've already mentioned Frank Robinson, because while we can say there's some icons, there's a clear top two here. There's, there's some tiers, and uh, top two is pretty high, but Frank Robinson... Played it, reckless abandonment, wanted to be the best. He was the rookie of the year with a rookie record of 38 home runs. Um, first player to ever win an MVP in both the AL and the NL. 14-time uh, All-Star. He said 586 career home runs. And then 16 years as a manager, uh, first African-American manager, first manager of the year. For 18 consecutive seasons, he hits at least 15 home runs. That is – that's amazing. Yeah, the uh, – in the second – yeah, I think there's a clear first tier of two, and then easily the next four or five, you can put them almost in any order and make a very strong case. I would say uh, it's so nine and eight for me would be you know Reggie Jackson, Al Kaline, however you want to say it, and then Tony Gwynn, Ichiro, Mel Ott, Roberto Clemente, Frank Robinson. Like you could mix any of those guys up, and I would say sure, absolutely. You want to tell me that Mel Ott's the third best right fielder of all time? Go for it. Like I'll listen. And some to you. rankings have him there. Yeah, I'd, I'd listen to that absolutely. I, I put Frank Robinson there. I said part of it is once again he's another one who has to deal with all the racism. We're going to talk about racism in a little bit here, but all the off-field stuff for some of these guys boosts him up a little bit, in my opinion. And uh, putting everything together, uh, Roberto Clemente is who gets my number three. Uh, and uh, just from the elite level of play once health allowed and just kept going, and uh, again, another one of those uh, what might have been uh, that was tragically cut short. Uh, but uh, an elite player in, the, in every sense of the, of the word, so that's who I have at number three. Here's the hard one, right? So number two. One of the greatest debates, I think, in baseball of all time at this oh, point. Yeah. Which uh, this one here, and there is no wrong answer. Nope. Uh, these are two of the most legendary players who have ever played the game. Uh, you can make the case right here the two that have the best ever. Period. Uh, oh, oh, go yeah. to goats. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, right here, that's the debate between between you, these two guys. You put these two up there with Ted Williams and Stan Musial, and you got a talking point right there, right? So I'm going to put Babe Ruth too. Uh, certainly in the conversation of maybe like the most famous athlete of all time, right? Like no you could question. say he's in the, he's in movies, right? Even though he's not been around for a hundred years, you still talk, hear about Babe Ruth. Most people still know Babe Ruth. He's certainly the greatest slugger of his own generation. That's in the dead ball era. He comes in famously. He comes to the baseball as a lefty pitcher for the Red Sox, where he actually wins 89 games in six years while setting a world series record for scoreless innings. So he was not a slouch at pitching. Uh, when we're talking lefties in a few weeks, I've started to do some. I I put him in my like just miss list. That's how good of a pitcher he was for the years he did it. Now, he wins three World Series with Boston in six seasons, doing a little bit of batting, but it's mostly the pitching. And then they sold him right to the Yankees, hundred thousand dollars in nineteen nineteen. And then the Yankees said, "Hey, let's try you just exclusively at batting." And while well, the rest is history, he hits fifty four home runs, scores one hundred and fifty eight runs, and has one hundred thirty five RBIs that next season, it just changes the whole game, the way the whole game is played. So 
He would tap those numbers the next year with 177 runs, 59 runs, and 457 bases. Those would stand, uh, those last two numbers still stand as modern records. So the 177 runs has never been beaten. The 457 total bases, never beaten. When it comes down to it, it's 15 seasons in the Yankees. Seven pennants, four World Series, led the leagues in home runs 12 seasons. He's still the all-time leader in slugging and OPS, so on base plus slugging. Uh, we're talking about bold. His baseball reference page like, is basically entirely bold. And the war stats are obscene. 18 or absurd, excuse me. 18 seasons over five war. Eight in double digits. Four over 13 and one 15. I've never seen a 15. I've, I've never, that has to be the highest one ever. The question about Babe Ruth that, that writers talk about and try to, when you try to pick uh, like the, the best ever, this is always a, a somewhat of a, a fruitful and fruitless discussion all at the same time. Yes, it is. I, the, the challenge with Ruth, I'm going to throw one out there because I'm going to put him at one. Uh, and I'll tell you why I put him at one in a second. Uh, number one, uh, greatest fastball hitter of all time. That's sure. that's without question. Sure, yeah. Uh, the, but the question is, the, the game changed after he retired. Could mm-hmm. he hit a slider? Could he hit some of those more breaking stuff that really wasn't in the game when he was there? So, so there's some questions about that, which you can never have an answer because yeah. it was never there. He never had to adapt to it. Uh, could he adapt to it? Probably. Uh, he could. From what we saw, he right? Did with the baseball, he could do it at a Hall of Fame level. That's probably true. And, yeah. And, and that's why again, I'm kind of comboing the conversation for us for these two. That's good uh, for it. Yeah. Because uh, Babe Ruth, why I have him at number one is because you're talking about a Hall of Fame pitcher and a Hall of Fame batter. Either one he picked, he was in the Hall of Fame with what he did. He was going to be elite at it. If he would have stayed pitching, uh, the numbers that were already there, that he, like you said, he's already at honorable mention level despite leaving pitching in the second half yep. of his career. Yep. Uh, so because he could do it all, uh, in terms of that level, we talk about players who can do it all from a hitting for average, for power, patience, uh, can play defense, the five-tool person. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe he wasn't the speedster. Uh, Seven tools, the, though. He's got when you throw into the pitching, yeah. the innings pitched, the ability to strike it, batters out. Just that uh, that level, baseball has never seen. Again, that's why people were so excited about Shohei Otani, right? Because here's someone who could potentially do what hasn't been done in a hundred years, uh, and uh, and just seeing how hard it is on the body to try to do that. Uh, so th- because of the uh, pitching and hitting together, I have him at at one. That may not be a fair argument to make because we're talking right fielders. We're not talking pitchers. Uh, so from that argument, you could easily have Hank Aaron at one, and even without it, you could have Hank Aaron at oh, one. Yeah. I mean, the, but what I guess what I would say if I was to, if you were to make if I was to make the case for Babe Ruth one, and obviously I have Hank Aaron one, it would be that the Babe Ruth has the seven World Series, right? The the seven World Series, three with Boston, four with the Yankees. Hank Aaron is going to have one. He has one right away in nineteen fifty seven with Milwaukee, but after that, he got back to another one, but he didn't win. Uh, the uh, again one of the greatest uh, celebrities of all time uh, type of thing, and uh, as iconic as it, fitting into the New York mantra uh, in in more ways than one. It was, he was, was like some of the tragic stuff in his life dealt with that too. Yeah, right. So he was like the the outgoing personality, and then there was the quiet Lou Gehrig one, right? So the quiet guy who was every bit as good as you know. So another one if we're talking about all time great players, Lou Gehrig is right there with them. And uh, I think, was it him or who was the one that was in the 
I, I don't think I'm mixing up stories. I thought that uh, someone had mentioned taking their kid uh, to uh, the hotel where uh, the Yankees players were staying and brought him up to the, at that time, he had a little more access to things. I suppose, yeah. Brought him up to the room where uh, where Babe Ruth was. They were able to find that out, knocked really? on the door, and Babe Ruth answers. And then really? like, either uh, Lou Gehrig or someone else was with him, like another extremely legendary player on his team was right there. And uh, the kid was just wanting to say hello, and it was just a polite hello, and then uh, posed for a, for a picture and said, well, I'll let you go, and I'm going to get back in here. But polite to, to do all that, but just one of those – uh, legendary stories that I remember hearing about. Something that you can't even imagine today. Uh, my number one is Hank Aaron. So, grew up in Mobile, Alabama. Started in the Negro Leagues, some minor league years, and eventually goes to the Braves. And while he's known for his power, and it absolutely should be, most 755 home runs, most untainted, right, on home runs of all time, most extra base hits of all time, most RBIs of all time, most total bases of all time. It's really a lot more than that, right? Like 23 seasons between Milwaukee and Atlanta. He bats over 314 times. Uh, three gold gloves in there. It, it, 30 home runs, 15 different seasons. 90 RBIs, 16 seasons. 25-time All-Star, most of anyone. He even has a 30-steal season in there. 240 stolen bases in his career, which is absurd for a man who's getting to walk around the bases that many times without ever having a chance to steal. And then one MVP, which is, I don't know how, but in 1957, he won the, the last World Series ever in Milwaukee, and they got the pennant again the next season. I just I was reading this. If you took away every home run he ever hit, he would still have over 3,000 hits, and he's still a first yeah. ballot Hall of Famer, right? Like yeah. 3,016 hits without ever hitting a home run, first ballot Hall of Famer. So 17 seasons of 5 plus 4 in him. The case for Aaron at, at number one uh, kind of summarizes what you said here in this way the greatest triple crown player. Uh, When you think of no one at his level has that many hits, that many home runs, that many RBIs. Uh, 3,700 hits, 755 homers, uh, just under 2,300 RBI, which is the all-time record there with that. So at that level, like getting into 3,000 hits is the the Hall of Fame level, right? I said he's a Hall of Famer. 3,700. Plus the uh, uh, the, the true home run hitter, mm-hmm. uh, I'll gladly say that. Oh yeah, and then the uh, RBI. So again, baseball's greatest triple crown hitter. That alone, to me, says number one. You can so the seven hundred fifty five home runs, incredible, right? The the hits, incredible. It's another ninety eight triples. It's six hundred and twenty yeah. doubles. It's almost fifteen hundred extra base hits. Almost 1,500 extra base hits. That's why he's so far ahead in total bases. Like, you look at the total base category, and it's it's insane. How he only won, M- won MVP award is just unbe- unbelievable to me, but uh, there, there it is. I said career 305 average for a guy that we think of as being this power hitter. It's, it's all the wrists, right? From him, you think of just unbelievably strong wrists and driving the ball to every field all the time. To do what he did in the context of, in which mm-hmm. he did it. And that's the other part, right? So we're talking 1950s America, 1960s. Famously, you see him, the, the, probably the most famous baseball clip is him setting the home run record, rounding second, and having two young men come out and congratulate him. But, Pat him on the back. Right? That, that's all that happened there. But we're talking racial America where there's real problems and civil unrest, right? And so to have two white player, white people, fans, run out on the field, 
you didn't know what was happening there. And they didn't obviously no malintent there, but his, his mom talked about how worried she was when he was a young man growing up in Mobile, Alabama. And so but whereas Jackie Robinson's famous for breaking the color barrier, we're not that far removed from that. 1954 is when he starts. That's only a few years after that. And to so, go on and do what he did is just unbelievable. At the height of civil unrest in a period of, of transition, uh, and you are breaking the iconic, uh, for especially at that mm-hmm. time, we're still having the debate now, a greatest of all time, breaking his record, it fanned racial flames. Mm-hmm. Uh, and caused so much more uh, uh, angst on uh, this wouldn't have been there on him as, as bad as things were not not that he didn't experience it before this I don't want to say that uh, but he would not have experienced half of what he experienced if he wasn't surpassing Babe Ruth the fact uh, that Babe Ruth was at uh, that time period like everything together just came to a head there was no debate at that time like I said we can debate this for hours right just these two together we could debate for an hour but there was no debate right Hank it was Babe Ruth he was the best player of all time nobody really I mean Ty Cobb sure Lou Gehrig sure but Babe Ruth is, is an there icon other greats yeah but but, the, but he was a whole nother level and then Hank Aaron is he shows up and suddenly there's debate and real debate and Hank Aaron and obviously I put him one right I I think he's slightly a better player just because the average is there and the speed is there. And like you said, maybe if you throw in the pitching, then yeah, Babe Ruth obviously has, that's the most unique skill set we've ever seen. But as far as right fielders go, I put in Hank Aaron number one. And again, if we're, if we were truly, uh, if we made, if we limited the parameters to say only right field accolades, then I, I 100% Aaron's the better. I, I, I have him at one. If I'm thinking of the overall baseball player with the pitching, that's where I put Ruth there. But you can do one A, one B, and, and uh, oh yeah, that that's and, the way and, that yeah. it really should be right here. Uh, this is a one A, one B. Incredible in their their own rights, uh, equals, and uh, and what they have done, uh, great for all sorts of different reasons, and and what they've uh, accomplished. And then uh, we're talking Roberto Clemente is like this, uh, you know, ambassador to the game. Babe Ruth did it later on, right? And, and Hank Aaron is a was a right rip, right? He just died not long ago. We're within yeah. the last month, and still an ambassador to this game of baseball. We we said some stories. As Go back and listen as to you him. Can find and uh, everybody no chip said, on his shoulder, despite having every reason to have one. Arguably, like the greatest player of all time, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like you you said the story of just showing up to watch minor league baseball and wanting to pay for a ticket, like. Yep. And he's in the one out there encouraging. He got his COVID vaccine shot and he didn't die of COVID, but he got that COVID vaccine shot. And he said, you know, I want to get people out and doing this. So he's still trying to help any way he could. Yeah. A, a, a fantastic uh, individual on and off the field. Uh, he's a true ambassador of the game. Uh, and yeah, and think of how many of uh, baseball's good guys uh, are on this list. Uh, you have Clemente, you have Tony Gwynn's smile, man, as as happy and affable of a personality uh, as as you could have uh, on that. Uh, Ichiro did, Suzuki did you see was the Ichi- an international ambassador. Have uh, you of seen the, game. the video with Ichiro Suzuki? I think it came out within like the last couple of weeks, where he was must have been on the Mariners at the time. Well, there's a couple of videos of the Mariners. For, famously, when he hits a home run and D Gordon tries to, or he's retiring and D Gordon tries to like bow down to him, and he says no, and he gives him a big hug, right? Because he's like, no, that's not the way we do it here, but. There was a video, I think it was in spring training, one of his first years, and he stood on home plate and threw the ball because they were taking chances how far could he throw it, and he just nails the right field foul pole, and then it bounces right <laughs> off that into the bucket, and he acted like he meant to do it. It was unbelievable. I'll see if I can find it here. And it would be uh, 
And I guarantee you, by acting that way, there's at least some wondering if if he actually did, right? Mm-hmm. Like because he was that good. That it was like a, you know, maybe he actually did. Uh, yeah, just uh, an insane shot. But uh, someone who was so good at everything he did, nothing was surprising uh, with what he was able to do. But yeah, w- wonderful uh, uh, individuals here that were across the board. You could probably have most of baseball's good guys uh, just through the right field list here. Uh, and it's uh, been fun to, to walk through this and uh, go back uh, and remember some yeah. of these players. Good to see some of these players. We haven't, I, like I said, obviously we're not giving enough, maybe enough to Reggie Jackson here. Like Reggie Jackson's an all-time great. Al Kaline's an all-time great. You mentioned Dave Winfield, Vlad Guerrero. We could talk right fielders for a long time, but what we have here is, is that art, a cool I, list down baseball memory lane. Of possibly the best position in the game as far as position players go. And, Think about this. Usually with this type of list, what we're seeing is iconic players who are from a bygone era that we never had a chance to watch. Uh, the fact that we could even mention two players uh, that we've seen that are worthy of this list. Uh, when you talk uh, Ichiro, uh, and I said I think he is a top five when you put everything uh, together. Uh, Tony Gwynn was at least enough when I was just getting into baseball. I at least saw some things there. But then Vlad Guerrero to be uh, uh, there in Nice to see some of that at the same time uh, for how it isn't just uh, looking back at nostalgia, but then some of the others that have come and played in, in recent times and, and been worthy of that consideration. And it's uh, it's good to see because some of these we talk about like we know them, but we've never seen them, obviously. But uh, when it's had something like this, we've seen a couple of them. But it shows, you know, the game has changed, but now we're back to hitting home runs, but we're not that far removed from Ichiro and Tony Gwynn. They're obviously not the home run hitters of Hank Aaron or Reggie Jackson, even Dave Winfield, but amazing players in their own right. Well, that wraps up our uh, uh, our conversation goat right on uh, goat right fielders and uh, on Monday we will have uh, we'll zoom to uh, current e- events and take a look at the latest signings as we get on the cusp of uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, we'll get everything broken down in that cat and in, uh, in that uh, area of the news, and then we'll come back with uh, we'll look at the rotation. We've now left the field uh, and are now going to the the pitching side of things and talking about those grades. And if we think it was hard at right field with this, when we start looking at right-handers and left-handers, uh, that's going to be a fun uh, fun list as well. Yeah, it's going to be – I was looking just – there's like 35 names that I have to cut down to nine that I'd like to put in my right-hander. So we'll see what I end up with here. That will be a, a fun list to, to look at. So with that, take her easy, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.